Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We'd like to thank you for downloading this podcast and hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. The process to greatness and how God takes us through various processes in order to bring and release out of us the greatness that He had originally deposited in us. And again, we're going to go to the person of John the Baptist, and we're going to read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 13 to 17, and then chapter 1, verse 80. Luke's Gospel 1, 13 through to 17, and Luke's Gospel 1, verse 80. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now look 1 verse 80. Notice those few words. So the child grew, everybody say grew, and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. This reveals to me the necessity that before we are released into the greatness that God ordained for us, We need to grow and develop, not just physically, but also mentally, emotionally, and primarily spiritually. The word says that the child became strong in spirit. It takes inner fortitude and strength in order to accomplish the purposes of God in your life. Because the enemy will come after you with everything he has. Once you discover purpose and destiny, once you find your own area of authority, he will unleash hell against you. Because he's terrified of the person who has connected with himself. Who has connected with his destiny who has connected with his purpose. And he knows that he's here for a reason. She knows that she's not an accident, but God placed me here in order to fulfill my divine assignment. The devil is terrified of people like that. So he is going to unleash everything that he can In all of his power, in all of his, he has a good power, but he, deception, 
obstacles, opposition, persecution will come against. I recall when I first got born again, just a few weeks old, tremendous persecution and onslaught rose against me. Before I was a, a believer or a Christian, everybody loved me in my family. But when I got born again, man, man, they, they just came out against me with everything they out, kicked out of the house. My dad wrote me a letter saying, if you do not change this religion of yours and go back to where you came from, from this day forward, I don't, I don't want to know you. You're not my son. He just cut me off. He said, you're not my son anymore. It was painful. I didn't know what was going on. I said, Lord, what is the matter? What's going on? Here I was a, a no good but nothing person, mistreated my wife, treated everybody harshly, selfish, did my own thing, and everybody loved me in my family. Now, I became a Christian, I love the Lord, and everybody's against me. And God revealed a secret to me. He said, son, he said, the most vulnerable time of any plant or any tree is in its beginning stages. If the enemy can cause you now to fall back. I had to hold on to Christ with everything I had. If he can succeed now, he's got you. Thank God for the Lord's encouragement. So there is the need to grow spiritually. To become fortified within. So John the Baptist grew not only physically, but he developed a strong spirit. And you need to know that. If you're going to fulfill your purpose, and if greatness is going to be released in and through you, you need to be a person of a strong spirit. The spirit of a man sustains him in times of sickness or trouble. If your spirit is weak, you will not be able to stand in the day of adversity. Amen? And adversity, believe me, will come to you. There is no limit to the growth of our spirits. Did you know that? Your spirit can grow and can develop without limitations. Right. Yes. Amen? Amen? And we need to take care of our spirit. Our spirit has the capacity to embrace unlimited growth. Scripture says John became great. He wasn't born great. You are not born great, but you can become great. He became great. And that talks to me about something. That talks to me about process. He did so through the process the Lord put him through. I, I remember, and you know, I was raised up. In Cyprus, my dad left when I was nine years old, came to South Africa to earn a better living for us, left us with my mom and, and my other brother. And um, I grew up those years without a father around. So I was a very strong, independent person. I went out. I left school when I was 16. People asked me, what university did you What college did you go? I said, Holy Spirit College. <laughs> And I left when I was 16. I left school and went to work for other people 16, 17, 18 hours a day. 
And uh, it was man, it was slavery. Uh, I was my own man. I, if I didn't like what they told me where I worked, just picked up my jacket, went my way. When I got married to my wife, God put me into a lovely home, a lovely family that I never knew, I never had. <laughs> and I remember my father-in-law wanted to just mold me and shape me, man. He was not born of the Spirit, but he was a, a loving father. I didn't receive him as a father at first. I rebelled. I fought with him because he was there endeavoring to discipline me and to put me on a straight and narrow. Even after I got born again, he was always on my case. <laughs> Until one day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and he showed me who my father-in-law is or was in my life. He showed me that it was his hand disciplining me, correcting me. And when I saw that, I sat down and I wrote him a beautiful letter. And ever since then, our relationship just was just wonderful. But I accepted the discipline of the Lord, even coming from a man who is not born of the Spirit. And I understood that this was part of the process that God was taking me through in order to help me deny myself and die to self. And embrace another's will. And, and it was a painful experience. But it was a, pro a profitable experience. So the secret to greatness is process. Nothing happens to you by accident. God knows your life. God knows your destiny. And he will tailor situations for you. He will put you into situations in order to discipline you, in order to train you, in order to disciple you, and in order to help you fit the vision that is given you. First, he gives you a dream, then he penal beats you until you fit that dream. And it's a painful process, but it is a wonderful process, painful to the flesh. So the secret is development through training and being mentored by God and by those whom God has appointed over you in your life to train you, to equip you, and to develop you. You need to learn to thank God for these wonderful instruments. Even though they cause you pain at times, they are God's instruments to mold you, to shape you, to train you, and to equip you. Let me give you an example. Look at the great athletes who win medals, go to the Olympics, achieve greatness in the sphere of gifting and calling. Great athletes, runners, um, you name it. They all have what? Huh? Competent coaches. <laughs> and submit to the discipline and training. <laughs> Up in the morning, 5 o'clock. 10 kilometer run. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. You can't eat this. You got to practice so many hours. And they on their case. All the time. You know... You don't win medals by doing your own thing. Amen. You don't win medals by doing what you think is best. 
You submit to the process your coach puts you through. Our great coach has a process. And very often he uses human instruments as your coaches. That's what spiritual fathers are there for. They are to help you, equip you, pastors and leaders. And we need to learn to receive whatever we need to receive. You know, one day I said, you know, some people say, well, yes, I, I want a spiritual father. But in reality, what they want is a mother, not a father. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A father is going to bring order in your life. A father is going to bring divine alignment in your life. A father not only will love you and affirm you, but he's also going to bring correction. Because he loves you. Amen? Amen. So these athletes, they achieve greatness, but they submit to the competent coaches. So, John the Baptist, the Bible says, remained hidden in the deserts until the day of his manifestation by the Lord. He followed the order and process of growth and development before release. Nobody knew who John the Baptist was. He was right there out in the desert. Now the deserts refers to a period, listen, of isolation, preparation, and consecration. We need to learn not to curse our deserts. Because it's the place where God prepares his soldiers. His marines. One could say that it is the school, the deserts, from which every believer must graduate before he or she can move into fulfilling the divine purpose God has placed on the lives. So the desert, John the Baptist remained there. It was a place of preparation for greatness, a place of training. It is also a place of learning to obey God, learning to discern the voice of God from every other voice that comes to you. You watch the scriptures. Every great man of God has gone through his deserts. <laughs> Hard, difficult places. Uncomfortable to the flesh. Listen to what the Lord said to his children in Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 through to 6. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you. Notice the words. To humble you. To test you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. And allowed you to hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know. That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. It was a place that God took them into in order to prepare them for the promised land. 
You know, they came out of Egypt, but Egypt was very much in them. It was a process of renewing their minds. God was after taking Egypt out of them so that they could be ready for the promised land. Now, Moses, remember, before God called him, Moses was trained and prepared in the deserts. He was 80 years old before he, 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 he came into his own authority and into his own mandate. He was 40 when he left Egypt. He was 80 when he went back. Where was he those 40 years? He was in the backside of the desert looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And what was God doing with him there? He was preparing him. He was teaching him. Lessons that no man could teach you. There are some things we cannot teach you. You have to be God taught. God has to impart it to your spirit as you fellowship with him. As you come close to him and you have encounters with him. I, I know in my own personal life, after every God encounter, it seemed that I grew another inch spiritually and moved into another level. But it took a God encounter. Amen? And so Moses was trained there for 40 40 years. The children of Israel, after their exodus from Egypt, went into the desert with Moses, and there they experienced the discipline of the Lord 40 years. Sadly, most of them never made it. That is why most people never enter the greatness. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe said something once that really, really struck me. In my, in my spirit. He said, the richest place on the earth are not the gold mines or the diamond mines in South Africa and the rest of Africa. The richest place on the earth are the cemeteries. You know why? Because so many lives have lived and died and never showed up. Never really entered into their own authority never really showed the world who they really were. Poems that were never written, books that were never written, preaching that was never done. Great, wonderful things they never done. They lived, they died, and they never showed up. What a tragedy. I mean, Methuselah, the Bible says, lived 960-something years, and then Scripture says, and he died. I mean, what was he doing? 900 years. What was he doing? The scripture never mentions anything that he did. He lived 967 and then he died. Wow, what a tragedy. To live your life and never show up, never really show who you really are in God. And so, that's why Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. Why the few? Because God randomly says, you are going to become great. And you, and no, 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 no. Because few are willing to go through the process yes. without giving up, without quitting, without abandoning the faith, yes. without being discouraged, just hanging in there until God finishes with it. You know, at times when God was disciplining me in the earlier years, I cried like a little baby. Hugging the tree with tears in my eyes. It was painful. God also used my wife. Yes. 
Mm. Two independent people being put together by proxy. <laughs> you know, my favorite pastime is whenever I had an argument, I used to go into my closet, pick up my clothes, throw it in the suitcase, wanted to run away. That's what I did. I couldn't handle it. After I got born again and God began to discipline me one day, we had a terrible argument. I got into my car and sped on an open road in Zimbabwe, bright sunny day. And as I, I don't know where I was going, but I was just running. I was running away from myself. I looked up and I saw this white cross and beneath it the words, and Dudonik, in this you shall conquer. God arrested my attention. I started meditating. What does that mean? I wrote it in the leaflet of my first Bible. And I wrote these words. You cannot serve God in self. Self must die. But it came after clashes and clashes. He was the discipline of the Lord. Stay in it. Don't run away from it. Don't curse your desert. Don't curse your wilderness. They are a place of preparation. That's why few, many are called, a few are chosen. Look at the child Jesus. Let's take another example. Let's read from the book of Luke again, chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew, that is Jesus, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among the relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Did you know that Jesus was ready? To do his father's work at 12 years of age? Uh, he knew more than his teachers, the Bible says. He was ready. But he did not release himself. He lived with parents who could not even understand him. They didn't understand what was going on in him. But the Bible says he was subject to them. He submitted parenthood. He did not release himself, but waited on his father to release him. 
Listen to this. Jesus learned, first of all, how to be a son first to his parents and was subject to them until the day of his release. What an example of submission to God's delegated authority. <coughs> Respect the process. Men and women who have become great, I believe, in the sight of the Lord and have made a difference in the sphere of influence are those who have carefully and patiently followed and submitted to God's process of growth, of training and development. These particular men of God, they did not get impatient and start running ahead of God, like we have so many today. They don't want to submit to the process. Even ministers of the gospel, they grab the microphone just because they have a gifting and they start a ministry, they start a church. Who released them? Who authorized them? You can't authorize yourself. I mean, look at the, in, in the natural. Scientists, medical doctors. Do you know how many years they study and train before they get that certificate and that authorization before they practice on you? Yes. Years, about eight to ten years, plus the schooling as they grow up. I mean, they don't just go out and practice. What makes us think that we, without going through the process, we have the right to minister and to invest and to teach people without going through the right channels and the right process? Hello? Yes. There are so many illegitimate ministries today that are functioning, and some of them are very large ministries. But in my books and in the books of God, if they have not been properly released, they are illegitimate and unauthorized. And so, these men and women of God, they patiently waited on God. They didn't try to push things by running ahead. They remained in the sphere and place they were given by the Lord until they were released by God into the next season and into the next phase of ministry. The word says in Hebrews 10.36, For you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I have come to understand that maturity and patience are synonymous. A mature person is a patient person. An immature person is an impatient person, running ahead, pushing things, trying to make things happen, manipulating circumstances, manipulating people, rather than waiting upon God to make a way and to open the way. We need to understand that. Listen to what James says in James 1. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So what James tells us is that when patience or endurance is developed, you reach a place of completeness, you reach a place of maturity, and you lack nothing. What a place to be. But we have to patiently wait on the Lord. And I know that many have made shipwreck of their faith and their calling 
simply because they got impatient wanting to do great things before their time. And Moses here, he learned this lesson. You remember what happened to Moses long before he went into the desert? He saw an Egyptian tormenting and he went and tried to fix it. Because he knew in his heart that that was his calling to redeem Israel. But that was not the way God wanted him to do it. He went and killed the Egyptian. And he had to run away. So any time we run ahead of God, we short circuit the process and it sets us back. So we need to learn to respect the process that God puts us through. I believe folks who are overzealous, they have a lot of zeal, what I call half and fluff, and impatient, land themselves often into situations which are uncomfortable and unbearable. And God is not to blame. We put ourselves there. I have realized that God is never going to tell me to do anything that is beyond my capacity or the level of my faith. And we need to learn to estimate ourselves correctly. Not to overestimate or overestimate our faith or underestimate, but to walk in according to the faith and to the grace God has given to us and work with what we have until the Lord increases us and moves us from one phase into the next phase. Amen? Amen. Well, the Word of God says in Romans 12, 13, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Amen? Amen. So God is not unjust. And finally, in, in closing this, this seminar, I want to emphasize once again that it is important to respect the process that God has put you through. And we need to come to the place where, listen to this, where we respect sonship more than ministry. Our Lord Jesus gave us this beautiful example. We must come to the place where we value being a son more than being a minister. Because I have discovered that great ministries are released only through great sons. One day the Lord said to me, you want to have great ministry? Yes, Lord. He said, raise great sons. And then he said this to me, the greatest impact of your ministry or influence will not be done through you personally. Will be through those whom you father and raise, commission and empower. What a blessing. So we must respect being a son in our father's house. And in the house of those whom God has put us into. Rather than being a minister. We must come to the place where we value relationship. More than being a person of importance of preeminence, 
of wealth or influence. And Jesus did exactly that. We must value obedience more than gain. More than convenience or simply doing our own thing. Amen? Amen. Jesus did that. He valued relationship with his father more than raising the dead. More than performing miracles. More than being in the limelight. Even more than raising the dead and healing the sick. Amen? Do we value sonship? Where has God placed you? And what does he expect from you? I've seen so many people come and go in the church. Severed their destiny. Made shipwreck of their faith. Because they refuse to submit to authority. It doesn't matter how great you were called to be. Or what great things God has called you to do. Someone needs to release you into that. You cannot release yourself. Why? Because it takes authority to release authority. We see Jesus being submitted to his parental authority. To his heavenly father's authority. Then we see Jesus taking a walk just before his commissioning to John the Baptist. Submitting himself to the ministry of John the Baptist. Going under the water. Amen. Because he recognized that if he wanted to be released into the ministry that the Father had for him, he had to submit under another's ministry. And I believe the qualifying factor of discovering our own authority is being submitted to someone else's authority. That's why Jesus said, he who is faithful in the least is faithful in much. And if you have not been faithful in another man's ministry, why would God trust you with your own ministry? The moment Jesus submitted to John the Baptist's authority, what happens? Heaven opens. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove on him. And a voice is heard from heaven validating his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What would have happened if Jesus did not submit to John's baptism? Because John the Baptist didn't understand this. He said, no, I have need to be baptized by you. But Jesus had suffered this. This is the way it must be done now. Now you are greater than I. And I must submit to you. Because you are the one. Who is authorized by God. To baptize in water. Not me. And unless I submit to you. And go through the baptism of waters. Submit to the authority. My father has given you. I cannot be released. Into my own authority. Is this the reason that many of God's children in God's house live under a closed heaven? Voices not heard. Because they keep rebelling to the authorities that God placed under. They want to do their own thing. I want to read something to you that will bless your heart. 
This was sent to me this morning, very early, by my spiritual son, Michael. Listen to what it, he, this, this son of mine has grasped the meaning of sonship like no one I have ever known. He, this is what he says. Hi, Dad. While preparing to receive a, uh, the offering this morning, I came across a scripture which had never really impacted me before. Luke 6.40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. This scripture contains a very beautiful and powerful principle. The lives of the disciples resembled that of Jesus once he had left them and sent the Holy Spirit. They thought like him, behaved like him, hated what he hated, loved what he loved. They became bold as he was bold and compassionate and kind as he was kind. Their faith, self-surrender and purpose all resembled that of their teacher, the Lord and the spiritual father. This truly is the heart and the fruit of genuine sonship. A genuine son resembles the likeness of his spiritual father. They carry the same values, think the same way, and therefore live in a similar way. They will naturally be differences in personality and expression, but at the very core of it all, they will be like their teacher. This is where I believe many fall short. They desire sonship, but never get over the obstacle of themselves and the desire to do their own things and do them in their own way. We all struggle. And suffer from this as it stems from the root of pride which our self guards with resolute resolve. It is only by daily dying to our own vision and mission as sons to embrace that of another that we can and will be transformed into their likeness. This applies both to our relationship with Christ Jesus as well as to our relationship with spiritual fathers. That's why God gives us spiritual fathers. Jesus learned how to be a son first in father's house before he became the great savior, the great deliverer, and the great minister of the gospel. And you and I need to respect the process that God puts us through. As I said, many young men have come and gone, but there are few that have come and have stayed and have submitted to the process and today their lives and their ministries or their callings in life are such a blessing, not only to the church, but to the community they live and work. They have learned submission. They have learned to respect authority. They have learned to stay in their sphere of authority until God releases them into the next phase and to the next level. Amen? That is the process that God takes us through. Every single one of us. And I pray that you will reevaluate, no matter what you're going through now, know that it's just part of the preparation that God is taking you through until the day comes. God gave me a picture once. As I was praying in the Spirit, unconsciously I put one hand over the other leg. And that verse of scripture came to mind in Psalm 139. I have hedged you from before and from behind. 
and I have laid my hand on you. Remember that? Familiar with that? And then, by the prompting of the Spirit, I began to do this. And God gave me the meaning of it. He said, for years, I hid you under the power. I've protected you, I've disciplined you, I've trained you. But time is coming when I'm going to remove and I'm going to present you to the world and say, this is my son. God does the same with you until the day of your manifestation. You must endure the process. You must be patient. You must be submitted to the divine authorities that God places in our lives. I don't want to trust or submit to anyone who himself is not submitted. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word this evening. Thank you for wisdom from above and the things that you have taught us tonight. I pray, Father, for every man, every woman, every child that is here tonight, that the greatness that you've placed within them will find a place of release as they go through the process that you have placed each and every one of us. We thank you. We respect the process. We respect our wilderness. For it is a place of preparation and training. Open our eyes, we pray. So that no matter how painful it may be to our flesh, not to short-circuit the process, not to be discouraged, to be offended at God and at others, but remain until you release us with your divine instrument. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name. For more information about Alpha and Omega Ministries International, please visit our website on www.alphaomegaint.org.za or call our office in Cape Town, South Africa on 021-939-3196. God bless you.